to ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word, victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory there is no survival. Now, we are the masters of our faith. My name is Rick Napier, the CEO at Real People USA LLC, located in Northern California, somewhere between Sacramento and San Francisco. Today is June 25th, 2022. And today we have as a return guest and the winner of the primary of District 25, Florida District 25 Republican uh, congressional race between uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz and a primary opponent, Carla Spalding, the real estate agent and nurse. And today's um, podcast episode is going to be one that will be memorable. So to, today, like I said, it's June 25th and yesterday was June 24th and Roe versus Wade was overturned. And so that sent a, a great jubilation to a lot of people around the country. It also caused uh, another kind of insurrection, so to speak, within a lot of uh, metropolitan areas like Los Angeles, New York, uh, see where else, Dallas, I think I saw Chicago, you know, the usual suspect cities that always protest. And you got people protesting the fact that uh, fetuses can now be saved. And a lot of these people are young people and, uh, and even young women who are protesting that fetuses can be saved the same way that their their parent their their mother made the decision to keep their life and uh, to save their life and have the baby they're protesting uh fetuses being uh saved which is a very odd uh situation so roe v wade was <clears throat> so roe v wade was overturned so now what's next well you know looking back at at, at a lot of uh protests and debate about Roe v. Wade, it has always been, we're going to, we want, Roe v. Wade was to um, uh, legalize abortion because there's just so many reasons why people should not have babies and one of which is the baby cannot be taken care of uh, by by the parent and the baby ends up on welfare and the baby ends up in, in a single parent home, uh, you know, generational uh, uh, poverty kicks in and, and so that's the reason why we or Roe v. Wade was passed is one of the reasons is you know women's rights you know all those type of things but now we are at the point where the Republican Party needs to make a decision and this has been something I've heard for a long time I'm talking about as soon as I was old enough to follow it, which I was about probably 30 years old when I started following this. So that was about 30 years ago. And what I'm talking about is the Republican Party has always said we want to stop abortion. And then on one hand, if, if they're talking about stopping abortion, the next thing that comes out of the other side of the Republican Party's mouth is that we don't want to fund social services. Well, that's always been a dilemma for me, because if you want to to stop abortions and 
and you want women to have the baby and and, and protect the newborn and protect the fetuses, well, you damn well better you damn well better be ready to to do something to keep the baby and the family alive. So, we Ruben and I are calling this this proposed legislation uh, when he makes it to Congress the Emancipation Proclamation Two, because what we just what we just saw yesterday was the Republican Party, which means the the the, the three judges that President Donald Trump got into got on the Supreme Court through his through the nomination process and the confirmation process the three judges that Donald Trump got on the on the bench now at the Supreme Court made the decision to save the fetuses now the fetuses that uh, the Supreme Court saved they're all races they're white black hispanic you know asian you know you know other you put you know we just put you know, put whatever whoever wanted to get an abortion now that law that roe v wade thing was overturned now states will still be able to do what they want to do and i think there's a there's a number of weeks where it can happen but the point is donald trump installed those three judges and just like in 1863 i think it was 1863 the emancipation proclamation that freed black slaves and made them free the three trump judges just freed fetuses and for the most part uh, in, in the context of this podcast episode we are talking about the black children now uh, who will be saved and not aborted so now we got to talk about what's next so i'd like to bring in ruben to talk about the history of the Emancipation Proclamation and some legislation, well, not legislation, but some amendments that give the the, the the born and the unborn their rights. So take it away, Mr. Rubin, and introduce yourself. Uh, good morning. This is a Rubin Young, congressional candidate, uh, taking on Debbie Wasserman Schultz for Florida New Congressional District 25, just recently changed from District 23. It's now District 25, but uh, whoever get elected won't uh, start in the uh, new district until January of 2023. So currently, the 23 is still being occupied until the change. But uh, this is very historic. Uh, this is a very historic, very important piece of history, uh, and that that now rose to the same level of what took place back in. Uh, between 1862 and 1863, as you allude to, the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation was historic because of what it what it actually did. Uh, it uh, gave freedom, gave freedom to a lot of the slaves, and gave freedom to the a lot of the uh, slave-born children. And what the Supreme Court did, in which I am so elated, so happy to see the slavery of abortion now come crumbling down because the Supreme Court in this infamous wisdom took the same exact approach that Lincoln did when he signed uh, the Emancipation Proclamation and setting in, in motion the the freedom of, of people who have been enslaved uh, for whatever reason uh, for this new 
industrialized nation to uh, uh, receive free labor without having to compensate the people for that labor that they were dispensing or dispersing. So the Emancipation Proclamation uh, came at a pivotal time for those uh, slaves who had been in bondage, who'd been in economic bondage, and who's been in this type of human bondage for many, many, many years, I think over 40 years, uh, this continued bondage existed in the in the United States for whatever the reason. And I keep saying for whatever the reason, because we all have our interpretation of what slavery was. So now you have uh, now a, a new uh, a, a new wave of citizens who are now be free because the Constitution is definitely, you talk about setting in motion, the Constitution says two things that uh, that should not be involuntary servitude. People should not have to endure the the uh, uh, the nuances of, of being enslaved by anybody. So this decision now has placed those unborn children uh, who have rights because everyone has 14th Amendment rights, and the 14th Amendment doesn't specifically uh, single out uh, unborn children. It says citizens. It gives that right to equal protection. Uh, under the law to citizens of this country. And the fetus by science, I think you had mentioned that, fetus by science uh, is, a, is a human being because of the DNA uh, makeup, because of the when do, uh, when conceptions start, at what point do conceptions start? And as you alluded to, it start doing base it start within that DNA. So the fourteenth amendment comes and it kicks into play uh, because it doesn't specifically spell out when uh, who's a citizen, who's not a citizen. It says all citizens. And they're in this country and they're born on the soil of the United States. It put in play, it put in motion citizens and these unborn children have rights as citizens. They have First Amendment rights, they have due process rights, and they have uh 14th Amendment rights to be protected. And I think the Supreme Court, in its infamous wisdom, did exactly that by striking down Roe versus uh, Roe v. Wade. Because, you know, abortion is not even mentioned in our Constitution. And our Constitution states in the 10th Amendment that those things not mentioned in our Constitution are left up to the states or respectfully left up to the people. And so the Supreme Court, in its infamous wisdom, made a, made a declaration because we do have we do have constitutionalists on the Supreme Court now, as you stated, those three uh, justices that was appointed or recommended by President Donald J. Trump came and uh, through whatever a spirit of time that we are now dealing with, did exactly what the spirit of time or did exactly what God wanted them to do in setting my people uh, free, let my people go. And he did that for the millions and millions of unborn children. So now, where do we where do we go from here? Uh, you know, as a, a, a from a perspective of seeking to be a congressional representative, I think that we do need now to propose legislation of saving uh, baby save families because when you destroy an unborn child, you are destroying the lives of future uh, generations of Americans future generation of Americans who would probably go off to be great leaders and great uh, business leaders, a great, uh, you know, congressmen or congresswomen or, you know, senators. This is what we're destroying. And also, constantly, uh, the, the, we, we see that 
uh, talk about productivity. We lose that productivity when we constantly could destroy Americans. And I think a lot of times when people make decisions based on where they are right now, they make decisions based on economics, they make decisions based on uh, names, reputations, family, how people will perceive or look at the, the circumstances are they're not ready to uh, take on responsibilities a lot of decisions but as republicans the, we, we are the defenders of freedoms we are the defenders of liberty we are the freedom of equality this is our role that we've always played throughout history a role that we have not marketed in the right places and we allow other people to come along other parties to come along and take that marketing approach away from us but now we have a right now right now in this moment we have, as Republicans, the right to show the world that we protect the civil rights and the human rights and the constitutional rights and the individual rights of unborn children. And not just that, to be that buffer, that built-in, that void for those parents and those fathers and those mothers are trapped by decisions that, that are unwarranted or uh, trapped by decisions that they don't really want to make because of the surroundings and their environment. So, you know, this is just as, as important as what took place with our Emancipation Proclamation and the uh, history of the Civil War, how Abraham Lincoln uh, saw this as a changing of a war strategy during the Civil War when he was trying to uh, get this union back under control. And, and, and what he stated and why and some of his reasons, he said, uh, I think either him or Frederick Douglass said that we cannot have a nation that's half free and half slave. And this is what this signifies for me with the decision of the Supreme Court that we cannot have a nation uh, half free and half slaves, uh, killing of, of babies. Some babies' lives are saved and some babies' lives are not saved. And now we are able to protect those generations of Americans in the future and that we can continue to uh, place them within this great melting pot so they can contribute and get this country or help us uh, save this nation. So uh, this, is, this is a lot of history. This is a very important thing that took place. And so they left it now to the states because of the Amendment 10 and because the abortion language is never placed in our founding document, it was never placed within the United States Constitution. So I tell people all the time, just because you have a right doesn't mean that you have a right. And that right that we have uh, took upon ourselves to kill and murder millions of babies, uh, future babies, futures of uh, future American has now come to an end. So that's, that's what I wanted to share this morning. I thank you for giving me this opportunity to do that. Excellent, excellent. Ruben Young, his website is ryoungforcongress.com. Uh, please subscribe and donate as we are within 60 days of the primary, which is August 23rd, uh, 2022. And Ruben, I want to I uh, compl compliment you and give you kudos because it is, uh, you know, six o'clock on the West Coast, nine o'clock on the East Coast. And we've never had a, an we've never had a time when you were not ready. And I want listeners to to understand that every time we've had a, a podcast episode uh, with Ruben Young, Florida District 25 congressional candidate, he has always been ready. And I'm not talking about being ready in a sense where we, we just talk about some cookie cutter, uh, you know, bullet points and 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 talking points and all the things other Republicans have been saying for 30 years. We want to lower your taxes. We, we want uh, we want a strong military. We want to protect our veterans. Those things are have always been said and they're very easy to talk about. 
and the depth of those conversations often do not even go below the surface. It just, they just stay right there on the top and the crowd claps. The, the candidate gets hundreds of thousands of dollars sent to him or her. And, uh, you know, and then that's how people run their campaigns. But Ruben, you've been different the whole time. You've talked about the deeper to topics. You've also went into depth about all the things that you believe in that will make America great again, just like President Trump said, and to push back on this globalist uh, type foreign interest wave that, we, that we're seeing happening across the country. And I know you have seen it in Florida. I have seen it in, in California. But to continue the conversation about uh, the Roe v. Wade uh, overturn uh, yesterday, you and I have talked about some legislation that you would like to uh, pass, at least introduce and pass in Congress. And I think this legislation would have broad appeal to people across the country, and, and especially in South Broward and, and Miami-Dade. And, and the legislation would be titled, is proposed title is Save Babies, Save Families. And just to give people a couple of minutes of what the draft would look like, we're talking about, you know, men and women. And yes, it's men and women. It's a, it's a, it's a woman and a, and, a, and, a, and a man, future, potential mother and father. So hopefully the father, you know, has some say so in, 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 this, in this relationship between the man and the woman. But what we're talking about is, is two people getting together to, for, for, for sex. And the result of that sex is, you know, a, a, a fetus is created. And when that fetus is created, you know, a lot of people start thinking about the future. Will I be able to afford the child? Do I want the child? I mean, it's all kind of the decisions that people think about. So what one of the decisions we don't want people to to think about is how can I keep the child and, and still move forward in my life, whether it's the mother by herself or the, the mother and the and the in the father who is maybe a, a, has a dotted line to the mother because maybe he didn't marry the mother. We want the we want the man to marry the mother, but we live in the real world. So let's just say the woman and the child. And there's a father who is known. The legislation essentially says, and this is a very, very uh, 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 loose draft. It basically says we want the government to help this fetus, this this newborn now. And uh, well, fetus definitely when some when somebody's thinking about uh, killing the fetus, but when the mother moves forward and has the baby, we want the mother, the baby. And that father who may be around to move forward in their lives and moving forward means not worrying about how the baby's going to be fed. And we know some women have you know, very, very good jobs that uh, that have uh, that have babies and sometimes they have to make a decision about things. But we're more so talking about the the the, the class of, of individuals that may not have uh, that that those um that that wealth or that or those those finances to still keep the baby and still move forward in their lives we're talking about the people who may be in the city 
and uh, they had that uh, that night out on the town or whatever, or, or had the relationship with that guy, and boom, they're pregnant. Pregnant. So the leg- legislation would basically be, let's do what we can to keep the mom <clears throat> and the baby afloat. <clears throat> Man. So let's do let's pass legislation to keep the the mom and the baby moving forward. And some of that legislation could be, let's make sure. The mom is now going to classes where the mom can make uh, pretty decent money, take care of the baby, maybe some uh, some uh, some daycare assistance. And the problem that we've seen with this type of funding in the past has always been the funding happens. The people at the top take most of the money and the money never gets to the intended uh, individuals for the intended purpose. So that's where the work has to come in. The work has to come in that the the government gets a return on investment. So what do I mean by that? That return on investment is a dollar spent, not necessarily creates five dollars as a return on investment, but it creates a, a more stable family. And that could include the dad. If the if the dad decides uh, to have a relationship uh, formally, with, with the mother and the, and the child that could be let's help let's help the dad move forward so so Ruben if you can man please kind of give people who may not know there's a lot of people who don't know about welfare but can you explain to people what why welfare exists okay so you know the the welfare if I understand my history uh, the, the program that it came from was called the uh, Economic Opportunity Act. It was an act back in the uh, back, back in nineteen sixty four, nineteen sixty five. But I, I, I had an opportunity many, many, many years ago uh, to come across a young lady by the name of Mary L. Hill, and Mrs. Hill brought forth the idea of the concept of the Economic Opportunity Act. I mean, I found here in one manuscript, uh, congressional record, put forth by Congress back in 1971, uh, before a uh, William D. Ford, before his committee, where she explained that the welfare system that she proposed was not a welfare dependent system, but it was the concept of we take care of our own welfare. That means that the resources and the and the and the abundance uh, and the redis- uh, redistribution of wealth is equally applied to caring for those basic necessities, those those basic essentials that what we need in our hierarchy of need. You know, we all have the something called the Maslow hierarchy of need, to where those things are pretty much basic. And it was never meant to be a dependency system, but under the Democratic Party and their interpretation of, of humanity and how to care for uh, its citizens and how to look out for its citizens, it, 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 it forego um, of ensuring that those basic essentials, those basic needs were there for our citizens. Now, we, with those rights and those basic needs was not, uh, was not in a, uh, a manuscript or a document. But the the Economic Opportunity Act, it defined what our role is, what government role is, what 
uh, our citizen role is and, and who will be the caretaker, who will be uh, there uh, when we have to make the decision, uh, economic decision of whether uh, whether to abort or abandon a child or to walk away from a family or to put a, a father out of the home so that father doesn't have the influence over a child, especially over a son and a daughter. But, but mainly, you know, it, uh, it destroyed, the lack of destroyed the basic unit of a family. So uh, that's the kind of thing I want to propose. I want to go back to those basics where we we look at what are those hierarchy of needs that uh, that parents and uh, mothers and fathers and and grandparents need within their reach, within their grip, to make them feel uh, like they are part of this American dream as it as it is applied, you know, by standard as it applied by federal, you know, federal law. I don't want to see a system where we just, you know, we give people, but we want to give want to see a system that enforces what we have. We have the uh, Economic Opportunity Act of 1964. I think that was uh, Public Law 88-852. I believe uh, 88-352 or 95-568 or 93-644. Those are public laws that's already there. But the the legislation that I think that you are talking to or referring to, I think is is a very good piece of legislation that I want to be able to present on the floor of saving babies and saving families. Because every baby we save, uh, it it has an impact on generations to come. And the more we provide that that uh, that that buffer or that safety net of placing families with just within those basic necessities, the, the, the training that a parent needs, especially a young mother who's unskilled, unlearned, you know, unprepared to take on motherhood. But they have resources or have an access to resources that would assist them uh, in, you know, in, in learning how to fish, you know, uh, or, or, or teaching them how to fish. Those resources, those basic resources that a father may need, especially a young father who may not have the uh, educational upgrades that he or she needs where they feel that they have no hope where they feel that they are lost in a world that does not care where as Republicans we've always cared I mean even when we had uh, when uh, blacks were enslaved and they was going through this this human bondage of building a free world for free labor it was the Republican Party that uh, set that free. That's what the Emancipation Proclamation is. We started off in the conversation. It was the Republican Party that defended their rights to liberty, freedom, independence, equality. And this, it's the Republican Party that's still yet doing that today. So we need to show Americans that we do care about them and that we do care about this nation. We want them to, we want to care about them. We want them to care for this nation because uh, this is about access to resources uh, this is about access to uh training this is about access to development because uh, uh, under this hierarchy of need everybody have a need to belong to something greater than themselves and this is what the message needs to be that we need to uh, tie americans into something greater than themselves by showing them that the american dream uh, is real that the uh the the the, the constitution 
is real and it says uh, that we all have under our preamble the benefits of being an American citizen, one of the greatest countries in all the world. So, yes, Rick, I want to be the one to take to the floor and I want to propose legislation that fill in the gap of those now who have to find themselves at crossroads. Now that the states would now have to be the ones to decide whether or not they want to continue to commit atrocities or continue to uh, uh, commit uh, murder or the murdering of children uh, yet unborn. So uh, i like to see those type things put in place. I'd like to see the Republican Party continue to take the lead on now having to go in and re-jump or restart our nation by providing those tools and resources needed and uh, necessary for people to feel that they don't have to make these type of decisions, these type of economic decisions uh, by themselves. Excellent, excellent. And excellent, uh, thank you for the, the, the brief history of the um, of why welfare exists and and you know, you and I, I, I know for sure myself, I, I was a recipient of welfare benefits when my mother was a, uh, you know, doing things like in the drugs with drugs and just making a, a bunch of bad decisions. But she did decide to give birth to me. That's why I can never uh, look down on my mom uh, to, to, a, to an extent where some people may say, your mother did all that to you. Yeah, but she gave birth to me. OK, so. Uh, if it wasn't for that, I would not be speaking to you guys today. But I want to just talk about something and close out with with the subject matter that's uh, definitely been on my heart. And it, it has some political implications, but it also has uh, some financial implications. So we see right now the United States Congress, the House of Representatives and the Senate have sent a hundred billion dollars to fight the a war in Ukraine. Now, a hundred billion dollars is quite a bit of money, and it's probably been probably been more than a hundred billion dollars with all other kind of things that have been sent. And you know, a lot of times when Republicans used to say, "Oh, that's way too much money to spend on anything," I mean, we used to talk about lower dollar amounts on 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 things that would have helped people a lot. But but because the Republican Party was always that's called, you know, wasteless spending or useless spending. We don't want to you know, send that that burden to the taxpayer to taxpayer. Well, now we have a different situation because we just sent one hundred billion dollars to the Ukraine. One hundred billion dollars would solve our homeless problem here in America to a certain extent. I'm not sure how many years it would solve it, but it would definitely put a dent in it if people did some things right and the money was spent well and the Republican Party and I agree with the Republican Party it's it's never been a place where people should just come to Congress and say you know here's here's my hand you know put some money in it so I can go back and 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 do some things see that was the Democrats that were doing that but when the Democrats got spending like I alluded to before the money never made it to its intended destination for its intended purpose in your area of of uh, south florida in my area of tampa i've seen that for decades where the check arrives and the money does not make it to the community but then you got some guy some gal living in the finest home in hillsborough county pinellas county 
Broward, Miami-Dade, Palm Beach. They're living in the finest home and they got the, the finest cars, but the people who the money was intended for are still living in, 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 in shambles. So this needs to stop. Let the Republicans do the right thing because we know the Democrats are just going to take the money and give it to their friends and nothing's going to change. In fact, we know the Democrats do not want families and babies to move forward in life because uh, a family that uh, that, you know, that moves forward, a, a, a parent that moves forward and improves uh, her life is probably not going to be a. A, a loyal member of the Democrat Party because they are on their own. They're making decisions. They are successful. So I just wanted to, my my close on this is just that I want to I got to fix that. My close on this is that I want the Republicans to not only think fiscally, but think long term, because we just had a tremendous decision out of the, out of the Supreme Court on June 24th. And now is the time to save babies and save families. Any closing comments, Ruben? Yes. So let's go back to see the, the, the Constitution. It lays out those things that a Congress can do, those things that a Congress cannot do. And a lot of things that you see now Congress is doing. It's not a physically sound policy. It's not within that purview. If we understand the founding document and we understand what limitations place within that document that the founders ensured us to create this balance, this balance of power, uh, the, the, the money that the, the Congress is now providing, uh, giving, uh, everything goes back to the, what I was telling you earlier about the Economic Opportunity Act. And those things that uh, we have a lot of uh, laws on the books that put forth limitations to tell Congress what they can and cannot do. And then if there's something not in the Constitution, uh, the Congress must either amend that Constitution to play for, to put forth those or uh, those uh, provisions or put forth those amendments to the Constitution, or it must place these things within the purview of federal law. And then it 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 tells what can be done from them. But I made a mistake earlier when I said that the public law that I was referring to is uh, 88-452. That's the actual title of that public law and a uh, public law 95-568. And if you were to understand the power of that law and the reason why Congress is not enforcing it, they're taking this, this particular role and they're creating these uh, nuances for themselves so they can provide and give monies to those uh, uh, relationships that they have abroad or those domestic relationships they have here at home. And this, this thing is a, it's really big. And I think that the reason uh, we had an issue, uh, they had issues with President Trump, because he was exposing the things that they were doing, especially across seas. How would you like to have the kind of power that you can take to the floor, uh, get money through an appropriation bill, then give the money uh, to a, 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 a relationship for the development of some project overseas. Uh, this thing is really, 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 really big. It's bigger than what we see here in the United States because we're only seeing half of what is going on. Globalism, putting money in, uh, in foreign countries and then having their friends 
there to oversee the project, have them placing billions of dollars into a relationship where there is a return. But it's not a return going to the American people. It's a return going probably to that particular uh, senator or that particular congressperson. This this is now a big uh, a big piggy bank. It's like going to a bank and robbing the bank. And we see that each and every day. And when you talk about what these guys are doing there in Congress, then they come after you. Then their mission is to shut you down and to shut you up like we see now with what's happening uh, with President Donald Trump because he was telling the truth and he was exposing him. You know, Bill Clinton created what he called, we need to go into diversity. And he broke down a lot of the barriers because, you know, he gave statuses to the nations that was on our sanction list. Nations that this country said we would, we would not do business with. And he put America uh, in harm's way because a lot of the senators and congresspersons had uh, the, those opportunities now to work with a lot of the countries that we had on our sanction list. But it also was bad for those countries because it also put them into a, a state of emergency, put them into a state of survival uh, to where they, that begins to also corrupt each country around the world because of the fact that the United States had stated that we would not be doing business with certain countries. But it, but the barriers and the broken down broken downness and the money grabbing that we now see taking place and not going to uh, not going to the people here at home has to stop. And that's why we need leadership in Congress, a leadership in the Senate that's going to return this country back to a, a balanced budget. It's going to take care of those hierarchical needs here at home and to ensure that the American uh, people have full access to the to the American dream. So, you know, this is where we are. This is the place that we are in. And this is why we have in this conversation because of, the, of what has been taking place within our uh, Congress and within Washington, D.C., that you and I both agree must come to the end. So that's why that's why, where I am. That's what I believe is happening. And that's why I'm running for Congress so we can put an end to that so we can start caring for our citizens here in the United States of America. Mr. Ruben Young, I want to tell you, you sound like a congressperson. You sound like a person that's already in Congress because you provide more deeper context to these issues far more than Debbie Wasserman Schultz and far more than Carla Spaulding could ever do. I'm just I'm just telling you, man, I, I, I've heard both of them. So anyway, this is Rick Napier. CEO, Real People USA, LLC. My website is rpusa.org. Direct telephone number is 726-999-0999. Thanks, Ruben, for coming on, and have a great day. Thank you, Rick. All right, bye-bye.